Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. Bending from the end zone, he throws, and it's a flick away, it is picked off by Will Blackman, the former Giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips the defender, fumbles the football, it's up for grabs, it's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown! And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary Buecher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher. He is NFL vet and Super Bowl champ Will Blackman. You can see him on the NFL Network, and you can follow him on Twitter at Will Blackman. All right. So I feel like the the big news coming out of the weekend was the quadruple overtime game between the Blazers and the Nuggets and you did it went on so long so long longer than the Kentucky Derby although that was much longer than the fastest two minutes in sports too it went on so long that you actually ended up watching some of the game I was waiting for the game to be over (laughs) and then I was like you know what it keeps going on I might as well tune in when you're when you're watching a uh, another sporting event, another sport, and I certainly you can appreciate basketball. What are you thinking as you're watching them? Do you have a read on like just the signs of when guys are hitting that that fatigue level where they are struggling? Yeah, or? you can you can see the effort. That's what it comes down to. You mm-hmm. you can see the effort in terms of what they're doing. Um, you know, are they using the same moves? Are they blowing past defenders? Or I can tell, especially you see less ISOs. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of how I see it. You see less ISOs and and tons of picks. Well, and guys are just jacking up shots. You also see less dancing around. Oh yeah, you see, you see less fundamentals, setup. right? <laughs> nobody's yeah, nobody's massaging the ball. Nobody's got six seven moves. It's like I got to get a step. And if I can get a step, I'm going to go. And if I get him back on his heels, I'm going to take the shot. Right. The most physical, I'm just cur- I'm curious what your experience as far as the most physically taxing game 
that you ever played. When you walked away from that game, it was like you needed the IV or you were just washed or it took you days to recover. I know with football, it's so physical that there's probably a lot of days from the bumps and bruises that it takes some time to recover. But I'm just I'm just thinking in terms of somebody who gave you a run for your money from an endurance standpoint. I mean, for a game, this is easy. And I would say that my entire team would concur. Uh, this, this is easy. This is the 2012 NFC Championship game versus the 49ers. That went into double overtime. Hmm. And, I mean, that, that that game went so long. So pregame, I took a Toradol injection because my knee was bugging me. That game went so long that my Toradol wore off. <laughs> wow. Wow. So Okay, usually that doesn't wear up to like that for a long time. It wore off. So I was tell, exhausted. Tell me what – first of all, I've never had a, to- a Toradol shot. So tell me if your knee is aching or something is aching and you get a Toro doll shot, what happens? Thanos. <laughs> One snap and it's gone. Really? It is the cure-all. That's why it's dangerous. Yeah. Huh. So you can't feel that it hurts. It doesn't hurt. No, you can go back to your daily schedule program. <laughs> wow. Wow. And is there a limit on how many... Like yeah, you- one a, one just once like every whatever. I get one a, one a game. So when it wore off and I actually felt my knee starting to bother me again, they're like, "Well, we can't give you another one. It's a limit. We can't give you two. Right. Oh, so it's you were not- looking for a second one during that game? I needed another one. I said, "Come on, Doc. <laughs> I need to go in the tent." I said, "Ronnie Barnes, hook me up, man. This is this is pre tent. This is before the tent." Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I actually it's funny. I posted a a picture couple weeks ago about um it was a bunch it was the whole entire giants defense from that postseason we were in a huddle Mm -hmm. um we all were taking a knee and what happened in that picture is Deion grant who was our leader at the time uh he would after every like three and out or after every turnover he would run over to the sideline and we would pray as a defense and so when it became overtime he gathered the entire defense some offensive guys jumped in and we prayed as a team for overtime so that was i posted that picture like hey team this is the essence of team and a lot of the giants who were on that team all of the comments were man that was the most exhausted ever been that was the most draining game that was physical brutal and if you want to find one game that exemplifies what eli manning's about it was that one right there because Hmm. he got he got his ass whooped and still got it done that game was tough we (laughs) Whoever went to Super Bowl earned that damn thing. Yeah. And obviously you didn't feel the after effects. You had enough recovery. I mean, that was the other part for me that was amazing is, is You mean for the, for the next game? Yes. Oh, yeah, totally, because it was Super Bowl. So we had, what, like two weeks from the yeah. last game? So you were good. You were good for the next one. Uh, that, that for me was the most amazing part is that then they had game four, and maybe for the Nuggets. I, I just I thought the Nuggets would be washed. I thought the fact that the game was going to be played in Portland, that it was going to give the Blazers a huge advantage because they'd have their crowd behind them that would, would carry them physically. And the, uh, the Nuggets ended up tying the series 2-2. So what's the approach? In that game, at what point did you, did you feel like you were redlining physically? Well, with his was crazy. What actually caused my knee to like painful again is, uh, I think on a return somebody ended up twisting up my leg, 
Um, I just think just overall, it was the physicality that was draining. Because I've been in games that gone for a long time, and the game was just long. Mm-hmm. It, it, what, like We played one Monday night game against the Cowboys when I was on the Redskins, and you know it was like third quarter, it was 11 o'clock, and I, was, I remember I was out there, I yawned for a second. <laughs> wow. I, I yawned. Yeah. Because you were out there a long time, but you weren't necessarily out there fatigued. Yeah, I wasn't physically fatigued. I just yawned. Why? Because it was 1130. Yeah. Understood. But that game versus the 49ers was just, I mean, physical. Guys were getting laid out left and right. It was a brutal game. That's when the Niners had that really physical defense that, mm-hmm. that has been doing well at the time. They were top five defense for like three or four years in a row. And so that's exactly what I remember. I remember just getting to the locker room. I don't think I took off my uniform for probably like 20 minutes. Just too tired. Oh, yeah. That's probably the only time I followed the hydration protocol, too. (laughs) (laughs) Usually afterwards, I don't get anything to drink. I'm like, I'll have like a juice or something. What is the hydration protocol? It's it's, um, per pound, like a Gatorade and water per pound, I believe it is. What? Yeah. So how how many pounds you lost? In that game. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so they weigh no, you no, and then... Yeah, not, not total. <laughs> so if I lost like five pounds... I got a... <laughs> <laughs> got linemen like drinking 270... Whatever. Back up the truck. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Just get him a hose. Mm-hmm. So for you, when you're watching a four overtime or just any any sport, what, what do you think is the most exhausting sport that you've ever watched? The most exhausting sport... Probably UFC. Really, I think I think mixed martial arts, dude. To to yeah. wrestle, fight a guy for five minutes alone, yeah, is crazy. And then if you're in a championship bout, to do it five times, five minutes for five times. This is wrestling, jujitsu, grappling, judo, karate, like all the above. Have you trained as a boxer? Have you done boxing training? Yeah, I done I done boxing and Muay Thai. I haven't done. Boxing training now. per se. I've okay. been, I've hit a heavy bag and a speed, but uh, from from people that have done the actual like training, they say that is as just exhausted after three minutes as they do it at anything. Boxing is immediate results. It is immediate. It is. I that's why I like to do it. I did it every off season when I trained for football because football can get so monotonous, like doing the same drills over and over. And I was like, let me do something different. Let me like hit something. Let me do something competitive. Yeah. So it was cool to do that, and I still enjoy it. And I'm also a huge boxing fan alone, so that's why I like to do that. I think it's really cool. Uh, Ryan Hollins and I have had this conversation. I've actually had a conversation with a number of NBA guys that. Because I was curious, because the game in the '90s was was a wrestling match, and then they changed the rules and wouldn't al- allow you to impede progress, or or it was free movement was the mantra for officials. And I was curious what was more physically taxing: the game today, where it is up and down, there's more possessions, it's a faster game without question, but there's not as much physical contact versus. A, a game with fewer possessions, less up and down, but is more physical. And the guys that I've talked to have all said today's game is way more taxing. I agree. And you did you experience kind of the same thing over... I mean, has there been the same... I feel as if in some ways there's been the same evolution in football. Just well, yeah, guys, guys are faster and more athletic. I would say... 
I bought myself more years when I went from corner to safety. Corner is just track me all day long. And that was physically draining. However, safety can be physically taxing because you're always hitting. So you're right. gonna you'll be, you'll be more sore, but in terms of your legs, saving your legs, you uh, corner back by far is draining because you're you're reacting the whole time. Think of how brutal that is on your body to react. Now playing receiver, I know where I'm going. I know how to you know accelerate, decelerate, change directions. I know how to pace myself. I know what to do. Sometimes running a route, you're just trying to find the open zone. You know, you're not running full speed. But cornerback, I'm, I'm on a hundred every single time. So physically, that was more taxing. And then when I, I remember when I moved to safety, I was like, damn, I don't have to run as much. That's I can do this for a long time. One of the interesting arguments that I've heard when it comes to the NBA, because we always think of, well, today's athletes are so much better. They've just been honed to be better athletes. And I feel like physically. The human anatomy is evolving because of all that we know about nutrition and training and everything else. But they made a point that, uh, that I find interesting, which is everybody thinks today's game is faster because of the number of possessions and therefore more taxing. But they made the point that look at the games and how often guys are only running from three-point line to three-point line. Versus in the day of Showtime and Magic Johnson, where it was up and down, uh, there wasn't the physicality of you know the bad boys with Detroit and, and moving onward, but they were getting up and down, but they were going 94 feet because you were shooting very few threes. If you could finish at the rim, you did. You didn't pull up at the three-point line. Right. But there's a lot of more ISOs too, so there's more standing around. You mean more ISOs of, today? Today. A lot of one-on-ones Very today. True. Well, especially if you're watching the Rockets and the Warriors. <laughs> guys are standing around. And everybody wants to shoot, you know? There is a lot of back and forth, though, because of the shooting, but I understand what you're saying. Actually, this when I brought up MMA in terms of the most physically exhausting, it was a really cool moment. So our son, Ryder, our eight-year-old, you know, he's been wrestling, I think, maybe three months now. And his coaches. Mark Munoz, the UFC, former UFC fighter, mm-hmm. and because it's his wrestling club. And he wasn't there that day, but his son, Mark Munoz's son, Trey Munoz, who just won nationals for, I believe, 170 pounds. He's one national champion. He's going to Arizona State. He led the class. So when they went, they drilled for a while, and then when they started doing live, live is literally like a live scrimmage between you and your partner. So Ryder's wrestling a kid his age, and you know they go four rounds, and Ryder whoops him, right? And then he goes, switch partners. So he finds another kid. Kid, same age, maybe has 10 pounds on Ryder. Really good match. Ryder had to work because the kid's pretty strong. But Ryder got him too. And then the coach goes, switch partners. So there's only three eight-year-olds in that class. Hmm. So he already wrestled the other two eight-year-olds. He can't wrestle them again. So he went up and found this 11-year-old that's actually good friends with him. But the kid is good. Hmm. So Ryder goes against him. He already had eight matches, and this kid is good. And then, you know, Ryder's battling, has a couple of escapes, and then he ends up getting a pin. And I was like, I know he looked at me like, oh, shoot. Dad. Like, if he swore, I wouldn't have been mad. <laughs> so <laughs> and, and then um, the next time, coach is like, switch partners. I was like, wow, they got to go again. And I, I see Ryder just, like, bent over, hmm. struggling. Hmm. 
and he I can see his face like because I can see his mouthpiece because I don't know if he's smiling or crying, but I looked at his eyes and his eyes are watery. I mean, I, he pretty much was crying without making the sound. And he gets another 11 year old. This kid easily has 30 pounds on him. This kid was chubby. <laughs> this kid was a hefty boy. And I just I just gave him a thumbs up. I didn't call him over. I just wanted to see how he handled it. Yeah. And he was wrestling the kid, and the kid was just heavy, just laying on him, laying on him. I'm like, damn, dude, this is tough. Like, I, I kind of feel bad for him right now. And he's struggling. I see him crying while he's wrestling. And then all of a sudden, he just slaps a double leg takedown on this kid and took him down. Wow. Oh, dude, that right there. And then the match was over. Coach blew the whistle, and he came over to me. I was like, dude, hands down, that was the coolest shit I ever seen yeah. in my life. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, dude, you, you're exhausted. Yeah. You had every right to like, I don't want to go anymore, and you were dead tired. And you just found something deep inside of you to like, I'm going to take this kid down and get a, a half and pin him. That's good stuff. And this was and this was one of the heaviest kids in you know in that class. Eleven years old. And my son's eight. It was it was so cool, man. And he was just like drained and, um. But he understood. That's that's what's cool. He he found something in himself to push himself at eight, eight years old. I don't know if I would be able to do it at eight years old. That was cool. Yeah. No. That's that is. So he was exhausted. Amazing. Now my story. I played with the dads on Tuesday night, and we played for like four hours. <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> But training-wise, was there a time where the most guests in a game or outside of a game? Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Training-wise, whatever it might be. Where I want to quit? Yes, the most so for, physically for, gassed you've been. So for one, I, I've driven myself like to work hard where I almost passed out. I have never thrown up from a workout. Okay. Never. And I would never let myself. But when I was at Boston College... We had the conditioning test called the 300-yard shuttle. By far, the most difficult conditioning test of all time. Hmm. You have to run back and forth 25 yards to complete 300 yards. I believe it's six trips. And in a certain time? Yes. You had to finish it. I think our time was, I think it was like 56, something like that, 56 Oof. seconds. Something like that. Yeah. They call what? seven. Yeah, they they got seventeens in 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 basketball in the NBA, where you go sideline to sideline, and you have to do seventeen sideline lines. In like guards have to do it. I think in sixty four, maybe sixty one, and then forward sixty four, and then I think uh, centers get like sixty six or sixty seven, and. Um, Riley, I think Riley's the one who invented Pat Riley was the one who invented those. But Killer 17s. Dude, it was brutal. I'm talking about like 
guys' legs would lock up. Some guys did throw. Some guys did pass out. It was brutal. That is the one thing that I did not look forward to. Hmm. It was the worst. Hands down the worst. I hated that. And the worst thing about it, too, was you you were running groups. So when I would go up there, it'd be all my friends. And all my friends are four threes, four fours, four fives. Hmm. So there's no pacing or <laughs> doing this conditioning test. Yeah. Oh yeah, you were gonna run for real. There's no like there's no like you're gonna come down and he's like fifty five, fifty, you know, and I would jump through. No, we were finishing at like fifty two. We were out of here. We had the most memorable for me was in college soccer. And we ran we'd have to run a field length wind sprints essentially. You went from end line to the goalie box, the six-yard box, back to end line to the 18, top of the 18, end line, midfield, end line, far 18, end line, far goal box, end line to end line and back. And you had to do that, I want to say in two minutes. And at one point, we did 10 of those in a row after a full practice. And that was the most exhausted I've ever been. No, actually, no, I take that back. The other time I was exhausted, I worked out with BJ Armstrong was getting ready for the season and he invited me to go with him. And so he was working out with his trainer. And so I went and I did my workout and then they invited me to join them and do their training, which I was already like, I was pretty much sated. I'd done what I needed to do fitness wise, but I couldn't say no. So I jumped in. And then we played pickup after that. And I remember I got like, I got, I didn't throw up, but I got like the flu or I got sick. I was sick the next two days. My body was compromised. That's, that's the hardest I remember. Anyway, so one of the other, oh, by the way, did you see, did you see the end of game three Rockets Warriors? I did. Steph Curry with the rub dunk. With mm-hmm. getting blocked by the rim. And I felt so bad for him. Why? Well, because it's... That's just... That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Physically exhausted. I get that. I get that. I mean, he, he had missed a layup earlier, and then he wide open, and he goes for the dunk and, and doesn't get it. Most embarrassing moment for you. In a game? Yeah. Where you just go, oh, wish I had that one back. Oh, man. I mean, getting scored on is pretty embarrassing, I guess. Right? It happens. Yeah, it it's supposed happens. to happen. Yeah, it happens like to getting, everybody. Yeah, it happens to everybody. I mean, if, you, if, if a guy puts a move on you and you fall down, to me, that's like, ugh, damn. Yeah. And even if it, and even if you just lost your footing as opposed to, like, the guy really shook you. That's what always bothers me. No, the most embarrassing thing, yeah, the, and for me, though, like, regardless if the national TV saw it or not, when I was in the Redskins, we were playing the Packers, and this is where I was got myself in trouble. I would always overthink and outthink myself. I'll do myself. So I remember we were in the goal line, and we were in cover zero, meaning you have no help inside at all. The week before, we played the Cowboys, and we caught cover zero, and I ended up picking it off. And so I'm like, okay, I know Green Bay watches film, so there's no way they're going to run the same play. Hmm. They can't run a slam. They're going to go outside. So I played inside and just jumped outside. And I the receiver, I still don't know who he is. <laughs> Crossed me, dude. And it was some kid, too. I never heard of him. 
and he totally just lit me up, hit me with this crazy crossover. It was like he had a basketball in his hand, and then mm. he caught the ball for the two point conversion. Mm. And I just, I just turned around and I just ran to the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part is the GM Scott McLuhan was right there on the sideline. I saw him first. Oh, he was like, he saw it though. Yeah. He was like, Will, the f was that? Oh. I was like. He just got me, bro. <laughs> uh, I've always wondered what that's like, because I kind of know how it works NBA-wise, but there's such a division of labor. And when you get called out, is there a difference when you get called out by the head coach versus when you get called out by your position coach? No. Here's my thing. Especially when, when I get called out or yelled at, I don't mind it because that's if I know where it's coming from, you know? Um, like if I have a coach that has been like investing so much time and, you know, believes in me and I know everything he's doing is to, he wants his players to succeed, mm -hmm. then I'm cool with it. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like it, but I get it. You know, like if I mess up, I know I messed up. Like I'm a professional. I know I messed up. Right. I know what I did wrong. Right. But, if it's if it's a place where he just wants to like yell and he's all about himself, he has an ego. It's like, man, don't even like, don't even bother, don't even waste your time, hmm. you know. And it was interesting because I remember when I was in, I think it was my rookie year in Green Bay. I got I got um I was rehabbing or something, and I think I was in the way. And the defensive coordinator at the time, his name was Bob Sanders, and he. He was like, light me up, like, Will, blah, blah, get the F out the way, da, da, da. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I was ready to blitz right back, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember Al Harris, he, he pulled me aside. He's like, he's like, yo, he's like, well, you cannot do that. He's like, you have to play the game. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, you need to play the game because at the end of the day, if it comes down to you or him, it's going to be you. <laughs> yeah. So you gotta play the game. So, that's where that's where the NFL is different from the NBA. It is because listen, if I had a guaranteed contract and I made all this money, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. It is. It's it's an interesting dynamic when it comes to the, to the NFL. Do you do you appreciate that? Do you like it, or do you wish that the NFL was more like the NBA? Every team is not like that. I think, especially now. Coaches and players have evolved in terms of their relationship and communication. Yeah, in that regards. But yeah, you don't. I don't. You don't have that anymore. That old school, like get in his face, do this and that. And third, especially nowadays, if you do that now, one, you're gonna yell that too. If you do it, you're gonna be on social media. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know. I mean, you you saw what Izzo. Izzo's old school. He got in the kid's face, and people didn't like it. Jimbo yeah. Fisher, same thing. Got in the kid's face. People don't like it. And it's like like everyone needs to relax. Because I know with those two coaches, it's coming from a place where they think highly and they expect a lot out of you. Right. And that's where it's coming from. Even even the kid from uh, AM, he came out and said, like, like what I did I what I did was wrong. I messed up. So I I, I had every right to get yelled at. Yeah, I can't help but feel that there is there's that, that social this is the worst part of social media is that everybody is able to express their criticism and and a hypersensitivity to everything that's going on and i saw 
<laughs> I saw a clip by uh, Ricky Gervais, the uh, the comedian. Yeah. And he was talking about social media, and he said, I, you know, he says I put something out on Twitter. He goes, and I have like 12 million followers, and somebody responds to it and says, you can't say that, or I hate that. He goes, you know what that's like? That's like somebody in the town square putting up a a notice that they're they're giving guitar lessons, <laughs> and somebody sees it and goes, but I don't want gar- guitar lessons. <laughs> and they and then and there's a number, you know, it has little tabs on it. It has a number and. And they take one of the numbers and they, they call the number and they, and they go, hey, are you giving guitar lessons? I, I don't want guitar lessons. I hate guitar. Yeah. Just look. If it's That's not how for it you, is. Just keep it moving. Just like. Did you see Kevin Hart? He, he, he said he had a similar take. He said, I could post something and then he said, this is how Twitter works. One person will look at it and be like, ah, that's BS. I don't agree with it. Right. right. And then someone else reads it and be like, yeah, you know what? He's right. That is BS. I don't agree with that. And now people has all these hot takes. It's interesting. He, I'll have to forward it to you. It's really, really cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, but it was that for me because you put anything out on so. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced it. You put anything oh, out on de- social media. I'm dealing media. with something right now. Is that right? right? Now I'm dealing, oh yeah. <laughs> what so, is it? So Ryan, he put out that talent, that hard work beats talent. Oh yes, yes, yes. And you said, uh, but not in not high in high school. <laughs> he said ten out of ten. <laughs> 10 out, of 10. 10 out of 10 times hard work beats talent. I right. said, not, not in high school. Right. Well, who came back on you on that? So I, the consensus is saying, like, yes, I agree, not in high school. And the one kid was like, hey, um, you know, that's not true. My team, we play teams that were more talented and we beat them. I was like, well, that's different. That's a, that's a team thing, I believe. Like, you guys found a way to beat them as a team. Right. You had great coaching. They had poor coaching. <laughs> Right. That simple. Right. And then one guy just said, nice example for the kids. <laughs> That's right. It's true. Well, and but I Ryan know, so also I, said like 10 times out of 10. 10 times out of 10. That's no, not true. No, there's, there is no 10 times out of 10 in anything. No. There's no, no absolutes. Right. That, and that's where Twitter becomes a little nutty. Right. Because people, they just they look past the whole thing. Yeah. 10 times out of 10. No. And I said that just, I like to be like bold and say crazy things out there. So I remember in high school, I didn't touch, I didn't touch a single weight. I didn't lift one weight. I probably, I trained for a little bit because I had, I got invited to the Nike camp. I didn't lift one weight. You know why? You know why? It's nice. Because you could. <laughs> because right. you could. Right. If you had to lift weights, if you had to lift weights to perform to the level you wanted to perform, you would have lifted weights. I would have lifted weights, yeah. And and they were I had other teammates that went to tons of camps. They did all this training. They did all this, that, and the third, and they were working their butts off. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you line up. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's go time. You know, I, I was it Casey Hayward, the cornerback for the Chargers. He commented on there too, and he said, he said in college too. Yeah. I was like, I I see I see what you mean. There are some. There's some guys that are extremely productive in college football. A lot of four threes on the street. No, a lot of four threes in the league. Well, That's there are my... a lot of four threes in the league, which means there's also a lot of four threes on the street. Yeah. So my point, you just wanted a reason to say that. Uh, yeah, exactly. So. Well, in, in part, in part, I but know. but it's no, like. But listen, no, but listen, really quick. So there's take a guy who's like extremely productive, thousand yard receiver, 
let's say he had 10 touchdowns, but didn't run, didn't test well. Hmm. You get the special teams guy who's just a freak, 4-3. He's getting drafted because he ran a 4-3, because he's talented. Right. You know? I look, I I see it with my kids. Like my daughter, my daughter's got some f- special physical skills that as I see it, she might be able to play in college. Right. My son is a great shooter, smart player, but if he's not 6465, I don't know how far he's going. He'll be fine in high school. But what is he now, you said? To go to the next level. What? How tall is he now? Uh, five eight. He's a freshman. Oh, he'd be all right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. He's got to get there. <laughs> I mean, he was ten pounds, fourteen ounces, twenty-two and a half inches as a baby, and he's a year young. He's a year. He should be a year back. He should be an eighth grader right now. Okay. So he's got a chance. I was like me. You were ahead. You were early. I was. A, I was a seventeen-year-old freshman. Yeah. Yeah. He won't be driving until his senior year in high school. I don't think I drove until like we seen you in college. <laughs> I didn't need a license. Everyone wanted to give me a ride, so I never got my license. Oh, even better. Even better. <laughs> All right, before we go, actually, you know what? Let's save this. Uh, a friend of yours, Dan Orlovsky, was I, I heard him talking about quarterbacks and young quarterbacks making the jump to the NFL. And obviously we have Kyler Murray, Murray trying to do the same thing that Baker Mayfield did last year. And... He opened my eyes to a number of things. I've always recognized that it's a huge jump, but I, I, I thought it was lessened from college to pros in the NFL because you have to go a requisite number of years to college. But he made a point about playing quarterback, about what it's like to walk into that room that's different, as well as the language of the NFL and the fact that it's like learning a different language and having to be fluent in it, particularly when you're a quarterback. I want to run all of that by you in the next podcast. And who knows, maybe we'll even have Dan join us uh, for that conversation. See if we can get him on your speed dial. But that does it for this episode of Buker and Blackman, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United We Cast Network. Uh, keep in mind, we only need a couple more ratings, and then we're going to have our next drawing for prizes. So if it's on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, rate the show. We don't care how many stars you give us. We hope it's five. But if it's not, that's okay too. Uh, but screenshot it and send it to us, and then you'll be eligible to win some prizes. And we like giving things away. So, for Will, for myself, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.